Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Panel podcast listeners, to episode 30 of the Drawn and Panel podcast. With me, as always, today is Rachel. Hello. And John is here. Howdy. On today's podcast, we discuss Vigilante Youth, a magical Al Capone, and a new look at demonic possession. But first, I'm really interested to find out if you guys are prepared and ready to see the new film, Joker. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're in different camps then. So, Rachel, why are you not prepared for this film? Okay, so my favorite thing about the Joker is that you have no idea where he comes from or why he does what he does. Even in Killing Joke, he they do this whole movie where they're just talking about a sad backstory. And at the end, he's like, that probably didn't happen. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I like that about him. It made him scarier for me because you don't know why he does these things. Yes, you do. Because he fell, he fell in a vat of junk. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. That's one, one possible origin story. <laughs> yeah, that's a possible one. But like that he just kills and he doesn't care and he does all this chaos and mayhem and there's no reason for it. Like no tortured backstory. No, like Mr. Freeze was trying to save his wife and none of that. You don't you can't sympathize with him, which always made him scary. It's for hard me. to apply logic to him. All the other villains in Batman, Superman, any other character you can think of, all the other villains have a logical progression from their backstory up to why they became the villain that they are. Mm -hmm. The Joker really doesn't have any of that. And I think that's been on purpose the entire time. They've kept him a mystery more so than any of the other major villains. And that's probably why he appeals to such a wide audience, because everybody can find something in him to hate. Everybody can find something in him to empathize with, depending upon which story you're reading and at what time frame you're in in your life. Uh, he's just all around probably my favorite villain in any comic book story. But John, you said you were ready for this film. Why is that? None of that stuff that bothers Rachel bothers me at all. Nope. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I only know what I know about him, but the only reason he's mysterious to me is because I haven't read any more about him. So I didn't know that his backstory is supposed to be this uh, super, you know, shrouded thing. I just know what I've seen so far and being someone who enjoys good film, uh, what I've seen so far of the Joker looks like a compelling story. Frankly, it doesn't need to be the Joker necessarily, but the fact that it is gives it kind of a, a, a framing, if you will. Mm -hmm. But I just read the other day that it got shown at the Venice Film Festival a few okay. weeks back. Yeah. And it got an eight minute standing ovation. Whoa. <laughs> eight minutes? Like people eight stood minute. on their feet eight for eight minutes, minutes going, and clapped? Woo, woo, Rachel was wrong. Woo. Everybody's screaming. <laughs> yeah. okay, I never said it was going to be a bad movie. I just said I wasn't prepared and excited mm -hmm. to watch it. <laughs> yeah. So wow. I'm, I'm actually excited for it. And, and, and it's something also on the heels of that. Another article that I read, because you know, the news feeds work. You read something and all of a sudden, new more news about like that 20 other things feed. pop up for you yeah <laughs> yeah and that's and it kind of a, a timely thing is so the the premise of the joker movie is that here's this guy that's bullied and picked on and marginalized by society and he snaps and turns against society and people are saying that's kind of on the nose and tone deaf in the current environment we have in the united states and i'm like kind of is isn't it yeah 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 <laughs> 
But that's what makes it so real and powerful, too. That's what art is. It's a mirror of society. Which is currently depressing. That whole turn against society, you see that in every generation. It just happens in a different way, right? Like in yeah. the 60s, yeah. it was the flower child free love movement, you mm-hmm. know, right? right? And then in the 70s, it right. was disco <laughs> counterculture and everything that fed off of that. The 80s was the Gordon Gecko greed movement, which mm-hmm. was kind of in society. But then you also had the young kids, like, like half of them were yuppies and the other half of them hated yuppies mm-hmm. and it's just gone on from there and there Whatever. today <laughs> drag me with a spoon right oh I, <laughs> no john does not need to do valley voice ever again as if <laughs> yeah we can retire that <laughs> put that in the cabinet done with that one all right moving on well so the joker like you said it emblemizes everything going on in our current society so i mean yeah, it looks to me like it's going to be a great film i think phoenix is going to be awesome in the role i don't think they could have chosen a better person to inhabit what they wanted to create on screen i mean he, he's kind of the darling of cinema everything he does oh he just throws himself into and like the, the camera loves him the screen loves him and he just turns into whatever the hell he wants to like just how creepy is that one scene where he's dancing around in his tidy whities which are not tight at all in the scene <laughs> they're baggy whities yeah yeah he looks like he's all scrawny and thin and malnourished ever he lost yeah. like 50 pounds to play the role did he really and he was already a small guy yeah i mean he's probably gonna be up there with heath ledger and cinema jokers as some of the best ones but uh, people are projecting that already he might pass I just, him we'll see. i don't yeah. like giving him a backstory that's the only problem i have that's it i have no other problems with the movie at all just the whole story well the nice thing is at least they've said this is not part of dcu canon so it won't be a backstory that will be part of any of the other dc universe mythos so then rachel can sleep at night that's good it's It's basically like a what if comic yeah and i've even heard john i think you and i were talking about this that somebody said that maybe this will turn out to be that he's the person that inspires the joker that comes later that and that's the joker we all know and love hmm. Huh. Hmm. i thought you and i were talking about that maybe at dragon con or somewhere but nope. maybe it was just a fever dream that i had while i was <laughs> it must have been oh you dream about talking to john oh. <laughs> who doesn't that's why we do this podcast <laughs> well i have 30 minutes or less to meet lois so i think i'll hop over to metropolis stadium now as superman Hey there, Drawn and Paneled Podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. 
Okay, let's get to some other news. I have stuff about a new Batman. I'm not Batman. A new Batman? What, yeah. other than Bruce Wayne? A brand new Batman coming out in 2020. They are talking about making a black Batman. They're not saying who it's going to be or what the heck's going to happen to Bruce Wayne, but... Hmm. Wow, now, is this in the comics or is this in one of the TV shows or movies? It's going to be comics. Really? Okay. All right, so they're going to recast kind of like they did back in the day with Iron Man. You know, they recast him. And Captain America, of course, we know, was recast several different times. So Bruce Wayne being recast. I mean, and Nightwing's been Batman for a bit. He has. I mean, it's happened before, but they're either talking about, well, they're saying it could be someone new or it could be Luke Fox, uh, Lucius's son, or David Zavimbe might inherit it. I don't know who that is. Uh, He was a pilot and a former Batwing. Okay. I mean, I'm wondering what the heck they're going to do to Bruce Wayne. Well, I mean, he could retire. You know, he's got money, so he's okay there. Yeah, but even like Batman Beyond, he still did stuff. <laughs> he doesn't seem like the retiring type, no, does he? No, he could get sucked into a different portal. I mean, that whole uh, Batman Dark Metal series and everything was things of different realms where people were being sucked in and out of these different voids and hell and this and the other. So we got the Batman Who Laughs, which is a new series from DC that's really popular yeah, right now. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of cool cosplays of that. Yeah, comes. oh yeah, that's the easiest one. People recognize that one right away. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he goes up to live with Nick Fury up on the space station with the transforming guy. Oh, that's Marvel. That's a different, different universe. Maybe not. Well, I think you, you have the I biggest mean, question. I mean, I don't think it matters whether it's a black Batman or a female Batman or whatever. The biggest question is where the hell is Bruce Wayne that he's letting somebody else be Batman? Because he normally doesn't do that unless he's dying. Yeah. Maybe he's not going to let somebody else do it. Maybe somebody like abducts him and takes over the role. Good luck. Could be. I mean, there's also rumors that it could be Black Lightning taking up the mantle. Really? Yeah, because they've done work together in The Outsiders. Okay. So that's an it's a yeah. rumor. DC has confirmed almost nothing other than a new Batman <laughs> might happen in 2020. That's the best part of the tease, right? They just give you a little bit just to get you talking, and then they decide later on, oh, we're going to change it up. And uh, we were just kidding. He's going to be Bruce Wayne just with, you know, like a darker suit or something. Who knows? I mean, but. other than Clark. Kent, Bruce Wayne has been steady as always being Batman, you know, just like Clark's always super. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, who else do you think of? You How think of Batman, you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bruce Wayne. That's that's the only person you think of, really. I mean, Iron Man, you think of Tony Stark for the majority of the populace, but Iron Man fans, of course, know that there were other people like Rhodes mm-hmm. who played in the Iron Man costume. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine seeing a new person as Batman, but I am intrigued. Well, I've heard DC's not doing well, so this might be a <laughs> last ditch to Try like any company. It's not going well. Mix it up. Reorganize. Yeah, I mean, it might be. I've, I've read some stuff do that they're not doing well, well. I wonder if that's not in part to do with, honestly, not. I don't know if it's been financial failures, but they're flops at the box office. I'm sure that Those has to contribute. films have not gone well. They've had like, what, one and a half films do decently so far? Yeah, they had mm-hmm. Shazam. And Wonder Shazam Woman. did really well. Wonder Woman. Okay, I'll give you Wonder Woman. Shazam, Wonder Woman. And I was thinking Aquaman kind of did okay. Aquaman People kind of like that okay. film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Aquaman did well at the box office because Jason Momoa is a thirst trap. That's the only reason. Yes, he right. is. The ladies went and saw it three times and I saw it once. Yeah, that's why right. he did well. My cousin who knows nothing about comics saw it 
three times, I believe. So let's go see that movie again. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> What's his name again? Doesn't matter. <laughs> He's Aquaman. And, I mean, I will give him credit. He managed to make the classic Aquaman suit and not look completely stupid. Yeah, well, that's true. Jason Momoa did a really fine job of filling out that costume. What do you think, Rachel? Did Jason Momoa do a fine job of filling out that costume? He did an excellent <laughs> job. Excellent job. So there you go. Justified joke. Rachel, I want to ask you, what is this article that you sent to me that's got Marvel with a puzzle piece and it's mysterious murder as the headline or something? I don't know if like they're doing a murder mystery dinner party in Marvel now or what the hell is going on? Well, not what to is be one-upped by Black Batman, Marvel is uh, <laughs> killing somebody off. They're not telling you who, though. So the picture is the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and Jaden Foster, all in the morgue, standing around a body under a white sheet. And, yeah, and the person that's laying underneath the sheet, they have really pale white feet. Like, not death pale, like you lost all the color yeah. in your skin, but almost like it was a character trait of whoever that was. So, Silver Surfer, maybe? That's what I was thinking, given the Fantastic Four being there. But then they released this other image, which is like this celestial background with some creepy eyes, and then a completely whited out figure holding a sword. Yeah, it kind of looks like a He-Man. That's what I was just thinking, right? Yeah. It looks like He-Man. I will kill someone from Marvel. <laughs> I already killed Superman in that one issue we did together, so why not? <laughs> like a ragdoll. <laughs> and the poster's like, a mysterious murder. Can you solve the puzzle before the heroes of the Marvel Universe? So they're doing, it seems kind of like a murder mystery thing, which could be real cool, but I have no idea what's going on. Well, and it looks like, <laughs> is it due to either start or finish on December 26th of this year? I believe That's what the little jigsaw puzzle piece. That's probably a start. That's got to be the start date yep. of the whole mystery, right? Yeah. And I'm wondering, because I'm trying to think of who's worked with all of these people. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it's going to go, because Marvel's had some big stuff these past few years. They did Battle World. They did Civil War again. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's I'm wondering who they're going to kill. And Marvel tends to kill people fairly permanently, more than DC does. <laughs> right. So. As, as permanent as you can in the comic book world. Yeah, yeah, it's very much like the soap opera world, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, that wasn't me. That was my identical twin from another dimension. And, oh, you killed them. Ha, ha, ha. And you move on. So well, yeah. while I'm looking at Ben Grimm here on this Fantastic Four thing. Can I just quickly ask if you guys saw the artwork where the Hulk punched him in the face and got to see what's under the rocks? Did you guys see that in the news recently? No, no I, I haven't no? seen that one. Tell me about oh, that. Oh my goodness. Okay. I, I, I'm just hijacking Rachel's What's Happening segment. But so there's this article <laughs> that came out. I, I don't even, it's some comic book apparently, but the Hulk and the thing were thrown down and the Hulk was beating the living crap out of Ben Grimm and knocked blocks off of him, like, like tore off like rock Ooh. from him and showed what's under the rock. And it was basically like bubble gummy muscly like you can't unsee Ew. it well yeah it's like ripping your own skin yeah. off those rocks yes, are his yeah. epidermis but, but like that so. shouldn't come off and apparently like they said they had never showed what's under there I would just thought he was it solid it shouldn't rock. come off but if the Hulk punches the, the Hulk you was, yeah, mm, trust Hulk's me smash. stuff's coming yeah, off stuff's flying. Yeah, and it, it's really creepy like it was a part of his leg but mostly like the side of his face and cheek Ooh, and jaw were all no. like down to muscly kind of Which, I mean I've seen done before but not for mm -hmm. the thing right yeah. but that's going to inspire some 
awesome fan art at some of these conventions coming up in the next year. I yeah, bet. that should be cool. Where did you see that at, John? Uh, oh, the same thing. Like, so you got me reading comic book news and it starts popping up in my feed. And so <laughs> that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you guys about if you had seen. But if you haven't seen it, like, just, just so you know, you can't unsee it. So just make sure you want to see <laughs> what's under his, his rocks. But it's pretty, it's pretty brutal and it's pretty good art. Well, since you hijacked the segment, you know, you're going to have to provide us a link that we can put in the show notes now. So I think I can do now that. you have a job. I, I can do that. I can handle it. <laughs> well, one last little bit of, I hate to say it, but very sad news. Uh, we lost someone in the comics world just a couple of days ago as we record this podcast. Lee Salem, who is probably known as the world's most influential newspaper comics editor, died at the age of 73. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who signed up Calvin and Hobbes, cul-de-sac, for better or for worse. He discovered the boondocks and Kathy. He guided Doonesbury, Foxtrot, and the Far Side. I mean, this guy had his hands in every major newspaper comic that you can think of as we were growing up, John, and Rachel, even as you were growing up. My dad always bought the big Calvin and Hobbes collection books and mm-hmm. I read the crap yep. out of those. Mm-hmm. I still awesome. have a whole bunch of them. John, what about you? Definitely have. I still have them in the bathroom. You read them when you're in there. <laughs> right. If, if, you, if yep. you forgot your phone, you've always got Calvin and Hobbes there. So <laughs> it can help you pass the time. <laughs> if you forgot your phone. That's... Back in the day, before there was a phone. <laughs> <laughs> we had to read Don't books. act like you don't take your phone in the bathroom. I'm just saying if you don't I have do. your phone in the I'm bathroom. I do. I'm just saying, you yes. know, it just shows the time that we live Even in, right? I remember back days. when you yeah. kept a library in your bathroom. <laughs> As opposed to the cell phone. Right. (laughs) I read those so many times. But yeah, I mean, just think about that. Calvin and Hobbes alone. I mean, the fact that he signed that up and what it has become now even. I mean, it's on the back of every redneck pickup truck in America. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) unauthorized, unauthorized. Right. (laughs) It's sad to see that that gentleman has passed. I'm happy that he lived a long life. 73 is Mm -hmm. not, uh, you know, a short life by any stretch of the imagination, but it's something to think about and reflect on. So any of you out there that are listening right now, if you have any memories of any of those comic books, Calvin and Hobbes, or comic strips, I should say, Calvin and Hobbes, Mm -hmm. cul-de-sac, any of those things that you'd like to write into us and tell us about, we'll be sure to put it on our next podcast in our writer inner segment. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the name of it? The writer inners? That's that's what I'm calling it now. You remember last time. So write into podcast at drawnandpanel.com. I I remember you saying it. I didn't know it was going to be a thing, but now it is. It's a thing now. I'm just, you know, my podcast, I do what I want. Lois, this can only be the work of Dr. B. He's obsessed with the idea of building a supercomputer which will enable him to take over the world. I'm sure you're right, Superman. B's always had a great sense of the dramatic. Oh, where is Clark? He's missing the whole story. Welcome to the Drawn and Paneled Hot Seat Interview. In this part of the show, we sit down with a special creator, writer, artist, or celebrity from the comic book world to find out what makes them tick. Today's guest is C. Matthew Foote, writer and co-creator of the VGs. Matthew, how you doing today, buddy? I'm all right. Uh, no celebrity here today. So <laughs> You're a celebrity in the hey. independent comic book world. You're awesome. What all right, you well, me? I'll give you, I'll let you pull that one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get into anything else, let's jump right into it with the biographical questions. First off, where were you born? Where's home? Uh, I was born in Endicott, New York. Um, My dad was a police officer there. And then a little after I was born, we moved to Rochester, New York. But when I was 10, we moved to Gainesville, Florida. So I'm pretty much a Gainesville, Florida kid. Okay, very cool. We're all from Florida here at Drawn and Paneled. So that's awesome. Tell us a little bit about your work in the comic book industry. 
Um, really, the VGs is the first thing I've done in comics. Um, I've done some other stuff, and I've written other things. I've written some ghost written uh, something, but the comic book wise, the VGs is the first thing. And I've always loved comics, but as far as creating them and working in them, this is really the first thing. That's still a pretty cool book to start out with for your first effort. We love it. We've oh, read the issue number you. one. We talked about it on Comic Sans back in the YouTube days and everything. So it's a great series. We love it. Thank you. Uh, give us all just a brief 30-second elevator pitch of the book. Uh, basically, the book is about a, str- uh, a group of street kids who believe that they can do the job, quote-unquote, better than the cops and capes. So they do. Um, they live in a world where they're superheroes, corrupt government. Um, you know, they just have to make their own way. They they fight for the forgotten people. They fight for the people that the capes and cops don't really care much about. Gotcha. Well, what was your inspiration for that kind of a story? Ryan, my my artist, Ryan English, he came up with the idea. He was going to SCAD and it was a... See, it was it was a assignment for him, and he had to create just a little two pager that kind of told a little bit of a story. And he had this idea about these kids, and these kids are kind of very close to Ryan's heart and things like that. So he came up with the idea, and then he contacted me and he said, "Look, I have this thing." And it might be something, but then again, it might not. I don't know. I want to send it to you. Tell me what you think. Could it be something? So he sent me the idea and I kind of looked at him and I was like, I called him and I was like, yeah, dude, this is something. Um, I'm not sure what everything that it could be, but it's something. And he said, well, I'm not a writer. And I said, well, it's a good thing you know one. And (laughs) (laughs) uh, I just started creating the world. I started playing God for lack of a better term. Um, I started coming up with a lot of the characters and I would talk to him and he'd say, well, what about this? And I'd be like, okay, that's cool. How about if we play it like this? Um, In the early days, Bones was a dude, like, I guess like early twenties dude. And I was like, you know what, man, I really need a girl and I want like a punk rock girl. That's really cool. So we decided to change Bones to a girl. Um, It was just, a lot of collaboration like that the funny thing is is that he's really into team books he's really into the x-men he's really into the teenage mutant turtles things like that i'm not i am oh, way more okay. into daredevil batman gotcha. the crow constantine sandman i like really really dark stuff and if i had my way um a lot of this book would be darker he keeps it light. Ryan wants it to be accessible to kids. He wants like something that kids will identify with and it's been great because it stretches me to get kind of out of my comfort zone of where I usually write things and the kind of things that I usually create. So yeah, he he was the inspiration, but then I just kind of said all right, I'm going to do this. And we created all kinds of stuff. And I would say, honestly, George, a lot of the stuff that's in the book that's really cool is just stuff where we've looked at each other with an odd little look and said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And then we right. do it. <laughs> so Ryan and I just have a lot of fun 
playing what if. Well, when you have one of those collaborations, that's where some of the best ideas and thoughts and yeah. creativity comes out of, right? I agree with you. Um, Ryan and I have been friends for quite some time. We were friends before the book started. Uh, we always talked about doing one, but life you know, gets in the way. Well, before we get out of here, one last thing we have for you today, Matthew, is our four rapid fire questions of death. Are you oh, ready, no. sir? <clears throat> yeah, go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one, your favorite Muppet. My favorite Muppet. Oh, I've always loved Fozzie Bear. Uh, Fozzie Bear. Okay. Nice. Probably Fozzie right. Bear. Yeah. <laughs> Question number two, a guilty pleasure you're ashamed to admit to. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um it's always been wrestling my my okay son and i love wrestling um we've watched it since he was little um he had all the action figures and everything so probably <laughs> professional wrestling yeah nice question number three your favorite 80s film or tv show 80s film or tv show um, I'm going to kick myself. I'm going to say Flash Gordon. Oh, really nice fan. choice. I love Queen yeah. and I would say Flash Gordon. Yeah. Great score on that film for sure. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. Question number four, your favorite comic or character that you did not create yourself? Nightwing. Nightwing? Yeah. Right? Night, the new Robin? Night, my favorite villain is Joker. So probably Joker, but I, as a hero, I go Nightwing. Nice. Joker. Okay. Everybody says Joker. And yeah. You know, He's pretty popular. I love Joker and and I like the chaos in his head, but I, uh, yeah, Nightwing. Okay. Well, before we get out of here, give everybody just a brief 30 second plug of where they can find the VGs. Our website is being rebooted. So it's not there right now. And we're redoing our store and everything for now. You can get it at the VGs.bigtartel.com. Okay. Um, so we, you know, and we have a couple stores around Florida where you can pick it up. Nice. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me man it was really cool we'll be back right after this okay lois i'm off to check on b's recent whereabouts and his activities i'll talk to you later almost immediately after superman's departure clark kent appears on the scene what happened Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now to dive into the drawn and paneled roundtable segment. Up first is the book we were just talking about with Matthew Foote, VG's issue number two, yep. obviously written by Matthew Foote and art by Ryan Inglis. Basically, the cops are incompetent and the supers don't care, so it's up to these five teens to look after their own neighborhood. Sean meets the VG's and tries to deal with the life-changing events of issue number one in this self-published title. That's I was about to ask... I was going to say who publishes this, but I seem to recall like nobody yet. Right. No, it's so it's just Matthew and Ryan oh, yeah. are doing this one. I met Matthew and Ryan about two years ago mm -hmm. at Infinity Con in Lake City. Mm -hmm. The book is really fun. I've really enjoyed it the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's got a different spin on some of the tropes that we normally see that are happening now with the supers are destroying our town. We need to do our own thing because the supers suck and they don't care about our buildings getting knocked down and people getting hurt they're just there to destroy a bad guy but this one's kind of a different take with the five little group of guys i don't know if either of you read issues zero or one but they specifically built them around archetypes from video games so there's like the tank guy yep, right. mm -hmm. and there's the the skater guy who's the technician and mm -hmm. then there's the the leader and the girl who's the badass fighter <laughs> you know so it's yeah. pretty fun i really enjoy it i don't know rachel what did you think i like 
liked it a lot. Really, I did. Um, Because I like the comics that talk about the damage superheroes do when they save the city, you know? Right. Um, (laughs) uh, One thing I did like about this comic was it was a different take that the superheroes aren't stupid or evil. They just have no concept of the little guy. Yeah. You don't register on their radar. It's not the extreme of the boys, right? Yeah, no, no, nothing like that. The new Amazon series or anything like that. It's like, I must save the world, so this building's going to have to go. (laughs) At all costs. I do like how there's some emotional consequences to the things that happen because in issue number one obviously their friend the police captain guy he gets killed mm-hmm. while trying to save a little boy because two supers oh, a super and a villain are fighting and debris is falling everywhere and he saves the child but loses his own life but I don't know it's just I want them to be able to publish these things in a faster format it's just that they can't because it's not part of a publishing company so they're doing this all themselves and that's a much harder road to oh, go now, that brings oh, up sure. the question so how far apart are these books in release then like six months really roughly oh, boy yeah oh. because they're having to go through like the campaign stuff right they're oh, having to go through free, kickstarter free indiegogo mm-hmm. uh. yeah because you know they're doing this as their side thing it. right you it. know they yeah it's not cheap and it takes roughly most uh kickstarters indiegogo backings for an individual comic book usually have goals of like three to five thousand yep so imagine if you were footing that bill yourself <laughs> yeah yeah uh, on a gamble. No, I get it. Yeah. Exactly. So, but it's a good series for me so far. John, what do you think about it? I thought it was kind of cool middle ground between, like you said, George, the boys, but also as Rachel was saying, you get to see what damage the supers are doing, but they're not malevolent supers. Um, mm-hmm. I like the art style, but I'll tell you, so like the the, the drawing, whatever you call it, the, the inking or the penciling mm-hmm. or whatever, the artwork, I guess. The pencil or the, the artist. Yep. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the black and white doesn't really do it for me. I don't know if it's just in this day and age, when I see black and white, it's, you know, it's an art piece piece. And I think this begs to be more vibrant. So I would rather see it. Sure. Uh, and maybe that's a, a side effect of the fact that, you know, they're running on a shoestring budget, they're self-publishing, but I would love to see these more fleshed out. It would come to life better for me, I think, if it was in color. Well, I think that's true that it's part of the shoestring budget because like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, was huge franchise yep. that it is, yeah. it had to start off yep. as black and white and even on very cheap paper because they couldn't afford anything else yeah. since they were doing it themselves yeah, I back it. then. I imagine pitching that. It's going to be turtles who get in radioactive yeah, right. and get raised by a rat <laughs> named after Renaissance painters who like pizza. Huh? I'm in. <laughs> but the VGs, the thing I like the most about it, John, do you remember, I've talked about it often on some of our other podcasts, but do you remember the Star Trek Next Generation episode Lower Decks? Of course. Yep. That's what these type of comic book stories about the supers, you know, what their want and destruction does to their world outside of, yeah. you know, Superman's mm-hmm. view. It's like, let's spend some time talking to the peripheral characters. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's what they remind me of. And I, that episode was so great. And I remember you did a YouTube video a while back on Gen X Grown Up that the new Star Trek series, wasn't there going to be a Lower Decks series? There is. That's the animated comedy series called Lower oh, Decks. Oh, that's going to be awesome. That's right. Animated comedy series. Yeah. Yeah. yeah apparently it's looking so really good. that's why I love this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's that kind of a feel. It's like, you know, you're getting the flavor of everything that's not just in your face with superheroes and supervillains. It's all the people underneath what they have to deal with with the fallout mm-hmm. and the after. I like the art personally even with the no color, like I'm cool with that. I guess I'm just more like artsy <laughs> than John is, but that's just, yeah, that's okay. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I, Gag me with a spoon. Okay. We're not going back to that. <laughs> no, we retired that. No. <laughs> My favorite part of the comic was when that superhero goes to see Sean and was like, Oh, well your dad was a mm. hero. And it, it, I was like, Wow, he has no concept at all 
of what he's done. <laughs> yeah. No, and the kid like takes that metal yeah. and throws it at him and everything. And I'm like, yeah, that guy who it was through his fighting that my father just died. Yeah, I'm going to try and kill his super ass right there on the spot. I mean, that's just some crazy. Why How would you do that? you have to be? Like, you're not going to yeah. comfort that child. Like it just it was a nice highlight of how completely out of touch these guys are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there was more than one time in the dialogue of this that I saw a character go corpse me like they're upset about something. And first, are they trying to stay kid friendly? Because I know in that scenario, when they said corpse me, that's not what they're thinking. Probably right. not. No, <laughs> they're thinking <laughs> F me. But more than once I saw corpse me. Oh, no, this has happened. And is that new to the VGs? Are they trying to make this a thing? Or have you heard that somewhere else before? It jumped out at me for some reason. I haven't heard it anywhere else before. I do think it's their catchphrase so. kind of yep. thing. Obviously, they're working hard to get it to catch on because they do it like two or maybe three times <laughs> in the dialogue yeah. in this one and pretty close together, like on the same page even. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I'm like, should I? Is this something in pop culture I should know already? Or this is this a VG's thing? I don't know. Either way, it's kind of good. I might use it. I like it. it. I really do. I know I Matthew and Ryan, they're very interested in keeping this very much in the Princess Bride milieu. Like it appeals to children, but there's also a lot in yeah. there for mm-hmm. adults. It's kind of like a and Battlestar that's a Galactic fine line to frack, walk. isn't it? It's like, yeah. yeah. We're going to make our own word. It's just as foul. It just isn't an actual established dirty word. We can just use Children it. Right. Say it in elementary <laughs> exactly. school and not that's get right. in trouble. Corpse you. Yeah, corpse you. Corpse me. That's right. And nobody's in trouble. It's fine. Everybody learning from the George Carlin school of curse words. <laughs> oh, God. Now we move on to Tommy Gun Wizards. A lot less kid friendly. Um, <laughs> we're, we're moving down the scale here. It's a Dark Horse comic written by Christian Ward and the art's done by Sammy Cavella and Christian Ward. Wow. Okay. Elliot Ness and his team of untouchables work overtime taking on dangerous criminals that hide in the seedy underbelly of 1930 Chicago. Except in this world, Al Capone isn't dealing in alcohol, but in magic. With Lick, a drug that grants magical powers to anyone who ingests it, mobsters become wizards, ordinary men become monsters, and darker secrets than Ness can imagine lie at the heart of it all. Yeah. (sighs) So I'll start by saying at the very splash page, it says 1931. I'm like, hey, this is the heyday of the shadow. I'm in. I'm ready. Maybe <laughs> yeah. the shadow could be here. Of course as you far were. As I know. <laughs> We all know the movie, The Untouchables. We've seen the stories Mm -hmm. and everything. Elliot Ness, Al Capone, that's part of American culture. That's part of our mythos, right? Mm, Yeah, I like that they do a little like kind of Philip K. Dick, H.P. Lovecraft take on that scenario with this book. I thought they did a nice job of it. One of my favorite parts was at the very beginning of it, in order to introduce you to the team, (laughs) they did kind of that press room roll call where, you know, that one reporter is antagonizing the team. (laughs) And they're, you know, he's calling out a person, but then in little subtext, it's telling you who they are and what, like, the lady killer who's secretly gay. I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Very Tarantino-esque. Like, let's just throw up a title yes. card over this guy. Exactly. Like, gather round for exposition, really fun. everyone. Yeah. I like how they <laughs> slip in some of the lingo, too. Like, trying to keep the 1930s yeah. vibe going in there, but without, like, killing it, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. They, like, they didn't oversaturate <laughs> yeah. it with, like, Howard the Duck kind of language slang, right. where it's, you, you know, all the different W's of V's and yeah. all that stuff. The Not going overboard, but still making it feel mm-hmm. authentic. I like this one. I, I think it's really cool. It's something I haven't seen before. A lot of things don't go to Al Capone dealing in magic. You know, they kind of, they had me there. <laughs> it's like a Harry Potter <laughs> spin on the Untouchables, almost, mm-hmm. you know? A little bit. 
bit. I mean, for me, there was a movie. It was an HBO movie a long time ago based off of, I think, an HP Lovecraft story that was called Cast a Deadly Spell starring Fred Ward. Mm. And he was a detective, but it was in a world of magic as well as regular everyday 1930 America. Mm. So this had that same kind of feel to me. I thought you were going to tell me it reminded you of your favorite film, Bright, starring Will Smith. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I like that film. I know you hate it and the rest of the universe does too, but Bright was fun. I haven't even seen it. I'm not saying it deserves the sequel that it's going to get, but don't don't, don't do it, Rachel. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Yeah. Yeah, John's right. Don't watch it. It's not... It was one of those that I shouldn't have watched, but I did, and I enjoyed it. I mean, this guiltily. one kind of made me think of a book series I read called The Nightside Novels by uh, Simon R. Green. It's like that Dick Tracy kind of private eye thing in a right. world of darkness and magic. It was very cool. Yeah, yeah For me, at this, this was like a dichotomy, right? So like at once, I'm like, this is a genius idea, magic in the world of Al Capone and all that. But also, I also had this other side of me that was like, this is so derivative. It's just slapping magic onto a story that's been done a hundred times. And honestly, I'm not sure which side of that coin I land on yet. Well, yeah, it's hard to tell with this issue number mm-hmm. one. It's one of those that like I'm 50-50 to pick up issue number two at this point. Yeah, it's that coin toss, like I said. Yeah, yeah. just like you said, it's that coin toss. But there was enough in this, like I think the reveal of the the Sean Connery character, yeah. you know, the guy who had been at church the whole time. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh. Who was actually at church. So I was asking the question <laughs> to myself, was that a real guy? Was he, was that Sean Connery Scottish guy always a part of Ellie and Ness's crew in real life? And that's why that same character is in these two different stories? Or were they just such big fans of the Untouchables movie with Sean Connery in it that they said, we have to do the Sean Connery guy? I don't know which one is true, but. I'm good with either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading the thing. I want to read the rest only because I want to know if magical tax evasion is what they get Al Capone for. <laughs> do, do you tax the lick? Yeah, is that how that I works? Don't, I, don't I don't know. know. I mean, Maybe. Can you get syphilis with magic? Well, let, you know, uh, let's talk about the lick for just a second. I mean, the lick, you know, then they call it liquors, you know, like which liquors do you prefer and everything. I thought that was a nice pun for the word liquor considering it was prohibition era. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I see what you're doing there. That's cute. But because I was at first they were calling it the lick and I was like, why? Where did you come up with that name? I know. You know, the the whole lick thing reminded me a lot of plasmids or elixirs from Bioshock. You guys have played that because we've all played Bioshock because in those games, in one case, you inject them. In another case, they're just in these bottles, but they're magic potions that give you superpowers. So it was a little bit like that when I was reading it, because I'm like, oh, is a certain one give you a certain power? Kind of like it was in that game. But that's certainly what Lick made me think of. Bioshock did have that retro vibe, too. Well, and isn't that the same era of America, the 1920s or 30s? I mean, it's Bioshock was around around that same time frame, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that might Indeed. be part of maybe, it as well. Maybe they got their lick from Rapture. Maybe that's where it came from. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it might be. I don't, I'm not sure. But I mean, maybe they're big fans of the Untouchables and Bioshock, and this was a way for them to combine both I mean, into one thing. This is their mashup. With a little things, HP but... Lovecraft thrown in. <laughs> right. It, it was a good book. I pro- 
probably err to the side of picking up issue number two just to see if it's going to be worth an issue three or four mm. or whatever. But I understand John's take of going 50-50. Rachel, what about you? Are you into issue number two of this one? I'm into it. Yeah. yeah. I like the art. I like the story so far. I'm, I'm, I'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did another gritty without being muddy. Art was really nice. I'll give it that. John, what about you? Have you got anything for us to review on the roundtable? I kind of think you do, although I'm not sure we really want to talk about it that much. Oh, I sure do. I, like I said, we're going <laughs> down the scale. I definitely. I have one that is, it's not very upbeat. It's called Roman Ritual. It's from Amigo Comics, written by El Torres and art by Jamie Martinez. So I initially picked this one up because I've never actually seen a horror comic book before. And I've seen like Tales from the Crypt, but that's more like mm-hmm. pulpy and fantasy horror. House of Mysteries back in the days. Mm-hmm. You know, this that promised kind of to be like a horror comic book. And the synopsis says the devil's work never <laughs> rests and nun sister Claire, a child survivor of the Rwandan massacres, there's your setup for how heavy it is, will again feel right. the stifling grip of evil when the seniors at a nursing home in her care begin to behave strangely, understatement, are they demented or possessed? And so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. About this one. <laughs> what, so what about this one, Rachel? Um, maybe... Uh, a warning next time, <laughs> like a heads up here of maybe you know you this be could have for how benefited this from the is. parent advisory label that we used to have on rap <laughs> music back in the there. day, possibly. A little, yeah. A little yeah. bit, yeah. I would appreciate it, a parental advisory. Because there's definitely not a lot of subtlety in here. Like, all right, so John, you remember movies from when we were growing up? If they wanted to show a lovemaking scene, the camera would pan off and you would just see shadows right. through a curtain, mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. and some music. None of that here. No, yeah. not yeah, not in this book. <laughs> at all. No. It was very graphic, very adult. This is definitely not a book for children at all. Um, yeah. I, I was, no. a, I don't know how, the art style, John, what did you think about that? I absolutely love the art style. I think it is phenomenal. It's kind of like, it's very heavy, dark lines, and it's like a cell shaded patchwork of solid colors that really speaks to me. It reminds me a bit of like a, like a Borderlands kind of art style, and it, it's kind of geometric and mm. realistic at the same time. I thought that was fantastic. Um, but as you said, George, man, three pages into the book, somebody's whipping out machine guns and there's an eyeball flying across this panel. I'm like, whoa, this is a big deal. Yeah. And then one and page later, even the worst yeah. parts are great. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, should I apologize? And, and for not even this? like just alluded no, no. to. It's like fully yeah. drawn yeah. out. That, that, that yeah. could have been worse, but not much. <laughs> that they keep going back to. You talked about the art and I want to go back to that just for a second because the art kind of confused me just for a little bit. Okay. During that whole history lesson where it turns out it's the nun talking to a patient about her childhood right. in Rwanda. Yes. I didn't read the synopsis mm-hmm. ahead of time. So I just started reading the book and the the small girl that became the nun that was the survivor, the way she was drawn really made me think she was a little boy. And so I was heavily oh, confused really? <laughs> when they got to the reveal panel and she's a nun now. I'm like, okay, is this a transgender thing? Are they going to talk about gender, commentary like, on that? Transgender I, Catholic like, nun. I was trying to figure something and it did make sense to me. It was blowing my mind, but I was going like, now, well, that's this a premise is for a, a comic book right there. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It was a really strange opening, but once I went back and reread it, I had to reread it like three times just to get my mind set to what they were trying to say. Although 
although I wanted to reread it because I wanted to understand it because it was very compelling. I, I mean, to be fair, all children basically look the same gender unless you dress them. <laughs> and, and if you're a Rwandan refugee, look you, like you don't have any certain, little pink bows on or yeah. anything. So I, I could see yeah, that. No, it was very dark colored, as you were talking about, John, the heavy mm-hmm. lines mm-hmm. and everything. Like so that, that kind of threw me off a little bit. But man, I mean, that first little history lesson part of the story was powerful. It was. It was and, and then she turns out to be talking to a World War II Holocaust right. survivor. Yeah. And it, was this like a who has the most depressing <laughs> life game? Like, what the hell? Just keep the lighthearted <laughs> antics flowing, right? Yeah. He was like, yes, I understand. So we, we had the machine guns, we had the eyeballs, and we had, and finally we got through all that. I'm like, okay, so now where's the horror story coming? And I was ready for a horror mm-hmm. story. Not that that wasn't enough of a horror story to begin right, with. but I mean, like a, like a typical one, that was like war <laughs> horror. That's like horrific mm-hmm. things. I'm looking for like this horror, like a horror movie. Yeah. But even though I was waiting for it, I was not ready for Mr. Needlemeyer, the, the first, right. first <laughs> patient in this uh, retirement facility, turned into this horrific red-eyed demon monster. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. That, that's definite possession. I don't, it's not people who are going crazy and everything. When your teeth start to change shape. That's possession. I know, right. And I like the whole time, they're just like, huh, I wonder what disease that was. That's called a demon. No, that's <laughs> no. not a disease. <laughs> and then I thought that was enough. And then this, another patient there, Mrs. Perez, even weren't hanging on the wall like Spider-Man, eating yeah. people. And then cannibal. Yes. <laughs> so do you remember that was, movie that how? came out a while back with um, the guy who plays Vision in the Avenger films? And it was all about the, you know, a new child of Christ being born. Oh, he plays the angel. Angel, right? Yeah, he was the angel yeah. that had, you know, sacrificed his wings to come down Legion. and protect. Legion. Oh, there yeah, you okay. go. There was that old woman in that diner who did that same kind of move. That's right. what that oh, panel yeah. made, reminded me of. She's like crawling up in the corner of the ceiling and all freaky looking and everything. I was like, oh, oh not again. <laughs> the whole time I'm reading, I was like, this can't get darker. Sure it can. Just stay tuned. This can't get darker. <laughs> this can't get dark. What the We've hell? We've still got more pages <laughs> to show you. Absolutely we can get darker. And then the, the juxtaposition oh, of her little dog all the grappy the cat and the little song oh the bag and the song it it, it made it so bonus creepy on top of everything else and it it comes back especially when the the possessed person was was humming the song to her when she Uh, came in the room (laughs) i don't know if anybody else noticed uh, the very last the last panel of this had the font to be continued written in the same font as the exorcist and in fact it looks like the poster for the exorcist with the person standing in the light Uh so i didn't notice the font but the panel was absolutely yep. straight from the poster. It just looks like the Exorcist, which was a cool nod because that's kind of what they're getting at. Except it's not a creepy little girl. It's <sighs> right? Creepy yeah. Older people. I mean, but it's still <laughs> demonic possession. Catholic Church. There's going to be a, a crazy priest that comes out of nowhere that's supposedly going to help them, and the nun who's going to be the primary focal point of the story. I mean, there's a lot going on so here. So I subjected you all to this. Yeah. So w- the same question that you usually ask George: Would you read more of this? What did you think of it? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to read issue number two. Yeah, I'm, I am. It was devastating to read this issue and that's exactly why I'm going to read issue number two. Anything that affects me that much emotionally, I want to give it a chance to see where it stands because it's not the type of effect where it's like I'm disgusted by somebody that puts something like this into the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, they have something to say mm-hmm. and I want to figure out what the hell it's going to be. What about you, Rachel? Now that you have a trigger warning or have you had I, enough? I don't know. I, it was, it was really dark. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was something for me was. it was something different. It's not a superhero. It's not Fluffy the Chicken or something. It's not Stabity Bunny. It's like, holy crap, look at the gravitas of this. It felt so real. That's hey, why hey, I'm let's interested. not get down on Stabity I'm, Bunny. I'm just saying now. it's not that. Super, they all have their place. But I, I I've seen lots of that. I've never seen anything quite like this. That's why I'm most interested. I, I mean, if if it's just if it was just like the demon thing, I'd be fine with that. I'm more the graphic rape they keep going back to. Yeah, it wasn't just the one panel, right? They yeah. it's all part of the evil in the world. It's not yeah. really yeah, I, I don't not I'm not sure if I'm gonna read number two. Okay. I think they've gone past that part of the story. I I don't see that as needing to come How back. How did you learn not to trust this author? It could come back. Yeah. <laughs> Any flashback <Yeah>. anytime. <laughs> I see more of the demonic possession, you know, and what's going on with the world, because there has to be some reason why these demons, A, are possessing the people in the place where she works, and B, Mm -hmm. are targeting things from her past. There has to be some kind of connection there, and that's what I really want to find out what's going on. Which is why I think they're going to go back to it, because I think the people in the church who attacked her family were possessed. Well, I know the bishop, in her history lesson that her and her family went to his church in order to seek refuge during the war crisis and the priest that was at that church plus his nun were the ones who were working with the bad guys Mm -hmm. and caused her family to get killed her older sister to get raped and now that priest is now a bishop and he's coming to visit that town that she lives in so that's where the story is circling around Mm -hmm. I'm just wanting to see I want to see that person's comeuppance right I want to see (laughs) that bishop get what he deserves and that's why I want to read issue number two and the story was compelling and it didn't seem I don't know it didn't look like they were throwing it in there just to disgust somebody you know all the bad things that happened to her Mm -hmm. like I understand that those were things that really shape her character and were necessary to put in there it just wasn't my cup of tea well and I think those things happen for real Mm -hmm. in a lot of those areas of the world right now they were trying to also say something about our current environment like trying to put something in our faces that maybe we don't see on a daily basis which I think is always valuable she's still not reading it though yeah (laughs) (laughs) throw the switch and it goes Dr. V Uh, but 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 wait, what's the matter? There's something wrong here. The indicator light is blinking red. What's happened? That's the computer. All right, all right. Here comes the answer. What does it say? The card reads, I have been superseded by another computer. That computer belongs to Superman, and it is much more intelligent than I. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Paneled Podcast. Before we get out of here, though, we've talked about a lot of dark things, but we have one bright thing to talk about in the Gen X Grown Up and Drawn and Paneled universe, and that is our list of patrons over at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. I'm going to try and do this in one breath once again, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. (laughs) And that is you, Marcus, Greg, Agile, Slow-Mo, Chad, Dana, Blasted or Stashit, Stian, T2, Will, Thomas, Mike, Stubaka, Levi, Corey, and newly acquired John, spelled the proper way, J-O-N, not (laughs) J-O-H-N. I feel like, what's that guy who does the tenor saxophone, Kenny G or whatever, where he can breathe through his nose while he's still playing the thing? Sure, good job. Nice, well done. (laughs) 
<laughs> but we, in all seriousness, we appreciate you guys so much. When we see that new little email message pop forward, you've got a new patron at $5, blah, blah, blah. It's like, holy crap. Wow. Really? Somebody likes us, not just peripherally, actually, like, yeah. intentionally yeah. likes mm-hmm. us. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very vindicating and validating and all those V words make me feel so good. Lots Thank you so of much. warm, happy yeah. feelings. With that, we will be back in two weeks with another one of our regular episodes. Next week, we will be back talking all about some of the first appearances of Venom in Spider-Man 298 through 300. Until then, Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Great to be here. John, always appreciate you. Thanks for having me. And podcast listener, we appreciate you most of all, and we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at thegww.com. Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend, and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.